hello and welcome to another edition of Hockey Talk. I'm Steve Fitzsimmons along with Andy Clark as always and we got some great guests in the studio with us to chat Hanover Barons. We have their captain Noah Johnson and Hanover native Tyson Lena to join us to, to chat about the Hanover Barons. And uh, Guys, first of all, welcome and uh, we appreciate your time tonight. Thank Thanks. you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's great. So uh, obviously playoffs are on top very soon. You've got just a handful of games left. Um, you're sitting in fifth place right now in the Pollock division. Um, just size up how the season's gone so far for you guys. Uh, you know, it was a good start. Like we're still rebuilding. Like last year we started rebuilding and then uh, worked our way into this year with a couple more pickups and uh, definitely a lot better this year. Like just keep building and looking forward to playoffs here to get going. And Yeah, so I believe uh, as we go to air here, uh, was it three or four more games? And then there's one to make up yet with Godrich. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, four four games and then one more makeup game, I think. Four games in. Uh, we should say right off the hop there that uh, I believe Whiteman's going to air your January 31st game, uh, so you can catch that on Whiteman if you're not able to make it to the P and H Center in Hanover. I believe that's Wingham is in town for that game. So. Yeah. And uh, they're currently uh, battling it out with Mount Forest for first place. Mm -hmm. yeah. So hopefully that'll be a good matchup for uh, fans to check out. Um, speaking of the remaining games, you have two with Goderich and one with Walkerton, and they're both at the bottom of the list. So hopefully you guys won't go to sleep on them and uh, can pick up some much needed points. You know, Andy brings up a good point. I mean, when you look at, it's, it's obviously easy to get up for teams that are ahead of you in the standings and doing really well. Um, but the teams that are sort of the, the bottom of the barrel that don't get a lot of wins, it can be difficult to, to kind of motivate yourself because you, you feel you're better than them and you, you feel like sometimes maybe you don't even have to earn it completely. But um, how, how tough is that, Tyson, to kind of motivate for, for as an example, you know, Walkerton has five wins this year, which is so unlike Walkerton, what we've seen up until the last couple of years. But um, here they are. Yeah, well, if you look at it, it's kind of reverse roles. As, like when I first started as a 16-year-old, I was on the, one of those teams, right? Yeah. So uh, it's kind of looked at as the underdog in the league. Come playoff time, those teams are the teams that are going to try and steal points away from the teams that really need those points. So the teams in the mid-pack who just need that one or two games just to get that extra place, right, for playoff position, those bottom level, bottom teams, they are, they're out before playoffs just to steal those points. Noah, when you look at, I mean, Walkerton and maybe to some degree Godrich as well, they're where you were got maybe a couple years ago yeah. and trying to go back through. And, of course, we know the Walkerton history of winning six in a row championships not that long ago, but um, they've gone local um, because for a long time, I think they had a lot of kids from Own Sound that kind of carried that team. And now they've gone with some local kids, which I think is a good thing to do. Yeah. Um, and, of course, you're from Durham and you're from Hanover, and we like that, that aspect of the team for sure. But... Um, you know, uh, we all have to go through that when we when we go through a rebuilding mode. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, like going out playing against those teams, uh, they definitely work hard. Like, it, in any any given game in this league, any team can win. You gotta, no matter who you're playing against, go out and work hard because they're aiming to win as well. Now, Noah, you're uh, wearing the C now. You're well experienced into your fifth season with the Barons. Um, in your five years so far, what are some of the big changes you've seen in the in the the Pollock Division in the PGH, uh, P, PJHL uh, over those five years? Um, I don't. I think just uh, when I first started, it was definitely more 
hit and grind and you know guys out there to try and run you over but like now there's a lot more skill in the in the game with a lot of guys you know coming down from junior b to play that extra year or whatever it is there's a lot of highly skilled guys playing out there so so you'd say over the five years you've seen a bit of a skill yeah. influx in the league yeah i'd say for sure yeah now the other thing too is there's been a real growth in like private coaches and private training and stuff uh, we did a show recently on on quick feet which is just down the road from here do you guys uh, use facilities like that much like either private coaching or stuff like quick feet um, yeah we ha I don't think we've been over to the quick feet center at all this year but uh, previous years like last year we'd go over and work on shooting and skating and things like that when we had nights off just to improve on things so so Tyson, you're a Hanover native, uh, you played for Hanover minor hockey growing up, and then you went on to the Grey Bruce Highlanders and, and excelled there, yep. and uh, we look back at, uh, you had a really successful career with them, and a bit of a tough year in your minor midget year, unfortunately your dad passed away, and I know that team really rallied from you know, struggling a little bit on the ice to suddenly being almost unbeatable um, in honor of your dad and I know that's a very close-knit family for you. Yeah, yeah. just that whole season was obviously something you never want to experience. But uh, in the end, we kind of all came together as a team, and it was kind of like a Cinderella story. We, uh, from the past previous years with them, uh, that group of guys, it was, uh, we would win those games, but it was never we would go for those playoff runs. It was come playoffs, you'd go to your SCTA tournament and not make out so well. And uh, in that remaining year there, we, uh, we really stuck it out with each other and ended up making it to the OMHA finals. Amazing. And then uh, after that, we actually got a wild card spot to OHL Cup. Didn't uh, cut short by a uh, 3-2 game and against Toronto. So, but I can remember watching my phone from an OHL game. I was calling at the time about that result, unfortunately. Um, but so close, and that team, of course, went on to do very well in the OHL Cup. Um, when you look back at that team, I mean, there's a number of players that have obviously excelled in the Ontario Hockey League. Uh, I mean, this a really nice story right now this year is Zach Trott with the Sioux Greyhounds. He leads the uh, Sioux Greyhounds in scoring over a point a game. You played with him, obviously. This guy was drafted um, 270th overall in the OHL draft. He's a really nice story. I'm sure you're you're pretty proud of what he's been able to do. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, I actually, he was a year older than I was when I was playing through the Highlanders. Uh, but I did AP a few games with that squad. So right. just even playing with, staying in the whole organization for that long, you kind of get to know the guys below right. you and above you, right? So, right. Uh, yeah, it's good for him, and like he's doing really well with the Greyhounds this year. And uh, and of course, uh, you played with Emmett Sproul, who's a member of the Erie Otters now, was a first round pick, and certainly uh, performed very well on that stage that you talked about at the OHL Cup and, and getting that exposure that kind of led to him being drafted. And, you know, he's, he's got, uh, he had 37 points in the OHL last year, 23 points, 10 goals this year, uh, certainly developing into a, a high-level hockey player. Yeah, yeah, Emmett really, uh, he really ex excelled through uh, that last two years with the Highlanders with uh, playing with them. He uh, actually came from Barry Colts AA prior to that, and then, uh, Within those years at Highlanders, it's, that's when you really saw him excel. And of course, some other names. I mean, Connor Roberts was drafted third overall. I know he's a year a year ahead of you, but uh, he's doing well with Flint and 
And uh, Lucas File, of course, is the backup goaltender for the Kitchener Rangers, and um, that team looks like it might be the best team in junior hockey right now, uh, bar none at the moment. Um, so, like, we're seeing lots of, of young, and both of you have played for the Highlanders, of course, but it's nice to see um, some, some young hockey players from our area um, go on and excel and, and get these kind of opportunities. No, for sure, yep. That's great. Which, uh, which uh, players kind of went on from uh, your cohort? Because you're a couple of years older than Tyson. Yeah, I uh, played with Jake Lee. He was the only one who got drafted uh, from my age group. He got drafted to Guelph, and then he played a few years with Listowel there. Mm-hmm. Excelled really well there. I think he's out out west right now playing yeah. junior A. He uh, He's captain of the, the Brooks Bandits, yeah, which at one point I think they had a 21-game winning streak this year. Yeah, yeah, they're doing really well. Yeah, he... Uh, uh, I can't remember if it was Merrimack or Mercyhurst. He he had been a uh, he was committed to Canisius, yeah. but they had a coaching change, so he changed uh, the team he's committed to there. But I know he was uh, he was at one point the season was pushing like two two points per game, so he's having a pretty standout year out in Alberta with uh, the Brooks Bandits, who they've had a few standout players the last few uh, a few years. Kale McCarr. Kale McCarr yep. and uh, Bernard Docker is also. Uh, oh yeah, Jacob uh, Bernard Docker, yeah. Yeah, who's on the Canadian Well, uh, I'll tell you a little Jake Lee team. story. As, as you mentioned, he was drafted by the Guelph Storm and mm-hmm. uh, a guy by the name of Kevin Thacker was uh, our regional scout at that time who, who loved Jake Lee and drafted him for Guelph and was hopeful that he'd play for Guelph. I can't remember if he was a third or fourth round pick, something of that nature. And, you know, I think he just decided he wanted to do the school route. Uh, his marks are really high, and I think he thought maybe he would take a little longer to develop than the OHL route. And, and in fairness, you know, um, that happens, and I think the Guelph Storm organization was a little disappointed, to say the least, because we thought he'd be a, a really good player for Guelph. Um, and uh, that scout now is an NHL scout for the Chicago Blackhawks that drafted him to oh, Guelph. Yeah. So um, it's funny how people move on, but. Uh, uh, that was a regret of, of, of Kevin that uh, Jake Lee didn't report and uh, we really wanted to have him. But anyway, good for him for doing so well and, you know, he's going to probably play U.S. college and do whatever he's going to do. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, uh, before you landed with the Barons, uh, Noah, um, how much did you pursue the possibility of uh, Junior B? Um, well, after, like, playing minor major with the Highlanders, um, Obviously didn't get drafted. I was kind of hoping on it, but didn't work out. And then uh, I went to I only went to one junior B camp, and that was in Listowel. There I made it to the last day and got cut from there. And then I decided I'd just stick around home and play uh, with the Hanover Barons. And then after that year, there was talk of like going to Elmira and going to other junior B squads. But I think I just uh, decided I'd rather stay around home and uh, play some junior C hockey and have some fun. So You were pretty content with uh, where you were at? Yeah, yeah. Like it was. Sure. Now Tyson, last year, uh, both at the beginning of the year and then after, I believe, after the Baron season was done, you uh, got some games in as a junior AP with the St. Mary's Lincolns. Uh, six games in total, you had four assists. Yeah. So uh, how much did you per- pursue the junior B option and uh, what was that experience like? Uh, Basically, after Highlanders, it was uh, I actually played uh, as a 16-year-old, so I didn't uh, pursue my major midget year with the Highlanders. Um, I decided I just wanted to start excelling in junior and uh, play for the hometown as well. And uh, kind of, I just kind of fell in love with 
playing in your hometown, right? So uh, I was a, I, I was okay with just playing up when, with the, the Lincolns when they needed me. I don't think I could have committed full time. And uh, just same with Noah here, just kind of content where I was. Mm -hmm. So because ge geographically, right? Like it's that's quite a hike down there. You'd pretty much have to relocate. And yeah, that's a big for life sure. Change. Is yeah, bunch of discussions about billeting and. Uh, what would happen even after graduating this year with work and so and so but uh, like I said just kind of content playing in hometown so well it's kind of a win-win because uh, you guys certainly both have been really good ambassadors for the team I know I have two young two young boys and uh, sometimes they've been out and about and there's different events and you guys have had the Barons jerseys on and they always get a kick when you guys are there and uh, I think one of my kids won a raffle at McDonald's once when you guys were doing some kind of <laughs> yeah. promo and he was tickled pink when the Barons, uh, they, it was, I, I know Tyson was in there, I'm not sure if Noah was in the picture, but yeah. you know, you guys took your picture with my kid and put her on the, the Facebook and he was pretty uh, pleased. So it's nice having those local connections win-win uh, both ways. Mm -hmm. It's a nice aspect when you're able to, so obviously you're both local guys you know, you know the Hanover Barons very well from the time you were probably five years old. Your mom and dad probably took you to games, I'm sure. And maybe the same true. There's certainly a strong Durham history of uh, quality Durham players playing for the Hanover Barons for a very long time. Mm -hmm. So the same may be true for you. And then to, to be that little kid yourself, you know, a number of years ago to turn into the guy that people are watching. Um, I imagine it must be special for both of you to, to have kids looking up to you as well. Yeah, I know for sure. I know uh, uh, right when I first started playing for the Barons, my mom actually showed me a picture of uh, my sister and I. Probably we were probably six or seven with Barons painted all over our faces in the Barons colors at the old barn in Hanover yep. in a big playoff game. So it's just funny looking back at that kind of stuff, right? So, well, I'm sure you don't take it for granted that uh, you know. It, Giving back is a nice thing to do as well, and um, kids that want your autographs, I mean, that's that's a pretty cool thing, and obviously I see it at the OHL level, but um, it, it it just being able to give back to your community in, in a nice way is, is, is a lot of fun, I'm sure, and, and, and rewarding for you guys as well. Yes, for sure. So let's talk about this hockey team a little more. So we obviously have seen a big difference here, this year in particular, I'd say, with the depth of um, throughout the lineup. Uh, more scoring. Uh, your special teams have really come around this year versus, you know, the last couple of years. And uh, maybe talk about uh, some of the reasons why for that. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we picked up a few guys this year who have lots of experience. Uh, Zach Cameron there, he played for Elmira. He came in, he's been a big help this year, uh, putting up some points for sure. Um, yeah, and just changing a bit of stuff up on the penalty kill and power play. You know, just roll to like get two uh, good lines out there working together and moving the puck around. So we have a graphic there actually. So if we're going to talk power play and penalty kill for our stats heads out there, we better get some numbers on the yeah, screen. We'll take a look so here. get our man Adam to yeah get the special teams uh, graphic up there. All right, so we look at Hanover uh, power play percentage nineteen point seven four, which is uh, third behind. Uh, Wingham and Mount Forest, so that's pretty decent for sure. And then uh, penalty killing, 81.48, so, and that puts you um, kind of middle of the pack, I guess. Yeah. But we always kind of, when we talk hockey in general, I mean, a power play around 20% 
There's not, that's a really good power play. You're just a tick below that. And penalty killing, anything above 80% is, is a quality penalty kill, and you're at 81.48. So uh, good job from the coaching staff to, to, to get you guys to, to do the right things to, to get to those numbers. Uh, you know, that, that certainly uh, gives you a chance to win every night. And when you have a 19% power play, yeah, I mean, you look at Walker and 9%, that's pretty tough, and mm-hmm. it makes it tough to, to generate, uh, you know, because you have to basically get a power play goal a night to win a lot of times. And, yeah. you know, yeah. at 20%, you're going to do that. Capitalize on the opportunities, right? So. Yeah. Absolutely. And I see there's uh, five shorthanded goals for the Barons there. I believe I saw one of those. Uh, you had a hat trick against uh, Walker what was that, four weeks ago, three or four weeks ago, which bring into mind I, I believe you had a goal the night before on the road game and then you had a hat trick uh, the Sunday game uh, against Walker and you seem to have really picked up offensively of late is there any particular reason or uh, just not too sure really like getting in the flow right so start of the season was a bunch of I had a bunch of injuries so it was on and off and then uh, lately we've just been steady going so getting back in the flow trying to get a groove going it's funny sometimes eh because you're always like trying and always trying and then sometimes whatever it just starts working just works yeah yeah so hopefully it keeps working on into the playoffs yeah no i know obviously you're you're a guy that's quite responsible defensively and chip in with some points you usually get around half a point a game you have uh seven goals and 16 assists in 30 games that you guys have played Uh, um what aspect of your game do you do you put a lot of work into uh yeah like you said i'm i like uh like i'm pretty defensive um me and Alex Paler and then the little man Ryan Gate gets uh we're pretty much play shutdown line, like go out and just uh try and shut down the other team's best line and chip in when we can. So mm-hmm. Ryan is you, you refer to him as little there, yeah, he's quite diminutive, but he sure can fly out there, right? he's pretty oh, fast. Yeah. He yeah. can hold his own too. I've watched a lot of guys at least double of size try and think they're just gonna run him over and they think twice about doing it next time. So. Yeah. As sometimes people get blinded by size, but I keep telling people you play the game from the ice up, right? So, yeah. yeah. Um, now, you mentioned some key pickups before there. Maybe we'll throw out the name uh, Zach Cameron. I know he's amongst uh, leading scorers in the league. Uh, I believe uh, Elmira was where he was at yeah. the last few yeah. years. So, uh, there we go. Yeah, Ryan Cribben. Yeah, he's third there. Um, and. Uh, with the Barons there, you have a Luke Holger. Now he's a cousin of uh, Mitch Holger, correct? Is that right? Or is, yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah, and Mitch uh, is Close a place for the Ottawa 67s. Yeah. Yeah, yeah a draft pick of a draft pick of uh, New Jersey Devils. That's so, right. so good pedigree there. Those are uh, Alora guys, I believe, right? They are Alora yeah. guys, and you know, yeah. like going back to calling hockey. Um, I've called hockey for more years than I want to admit, but I used to call hockey for the Alora Rocks and the Fergus Devils way back before I joined the Ontario Hockey League. And there was a lot of good quality hockey players from Alora and with the last name Holscher. So yeah. <laughs> there's definitely some pedigree for, for quality hockey players from Alora named Holscher. Yeah. So I'm assuming it might be a dad or, or uncle or whatever, but it's been going on for 25, 30 years. So yeah. um, it's good to see that. Um, yeah, guys, I mean, when you look at... Um, your upcoming matchups you have just a few games is there certain things that you're working on right now that you want to kind of refine for the playoffs is there something specific that you guys are are kind of working on as a team or or just trying to get sharp and as sharp as you can be 
Uh, well, the whole season, obviously, but we kind of struggled with penalties. Right. So uh, coming into the playoffs here, obviously, we just got done talking about penalties and discipline. power plays here, discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, yeah, sir. Like the goal really is to lower the amount of penalties we take, because the more penalties we take, it gives other teams like Wingham and Mount Forest to really capitalize on right. those chances. Yeah. And well, we were we were mentioning uh, a key player that had been a key player in your team the last two years was Brock Phillips, former OHL player with uh, Guelph Storm mm-hmm. and uh, played a lot of Junior B. He joined the Barons last year and we were saying he's one that his game at whatever level he tended to take a lot of penalties and uh, some of them earned and I know last year particularly I saw a few games where the refs were particularly Partial. yeah particularly short leash where they were very quick to throw out misconducts for things that pretty much no one else would be getting misconducts for. Uh, but still, whether it's by reputation or earned, you know, getting in the box all equals up to the same. So. You know what, let me just, be, I, I'm sure that, I know that they'll probably say something about it, but I'm going to say something about that. And, you know, Brock Phillips obviously played for the Guelph Storm and was a guy who had a pension for taking penalties. And you unfortunately get a reputation over time, mm-hmm. earned or otherwise, for, you know, taking penalties and, and, and getting involved in things. And as good a, bro- a player as Brock Phillips is, um, certainly played well offensively for you guys. At times, he can cost you as well. And, you know, um, it's just an unfortunate downside to, to the, his pension for penalties. Um, I'm, I wish Brock Phelps all the best, but I'm not sure completely that's the worst thing for the Hanover Barons, especially when you want to focus on um, reducing penalties. <laughs> you know, when your biggest penalty uh, taker is off the team that's certainly going to help and i know you guys aren't going to comment on that i'll (laughs) I'll leave that for me to comment on but but yeah it's some certainly something um that you guys are obviously focusing on and and uh yeah when you get against the 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 top two in the division it's certainly going to make a difference uh staying out of the box that two last times kind of thing especially later on some playoffs if we uh end up going a couple rounds into playoffs those are those are key points with throughout the game that you want to watch. So. Now remind me on the as we look at this playoff um, or the uh, the division. So um, how is it, is it a, is it a buy for the, the first place team and then yeah. uh, two plays six three four etc. Yeah, that's yeah. correct. Right, that's yeah, correct. That's what I thought. Yeah. So so yeah, I mean there, it's wide open on who you might play at this point. Uh, just keep chalking up some points is the is the is the key to the thing because obviously Mitchell. Um, it's not out of the realm that you could catch Mitchell for fourth place right now. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe even Concarden for third if they really uh, struggled down the stretch, which is could happen. So three, four, five, it's it's quite interesting. Six and seven, we know who they're going to be. One and two, we pretty much know who, who they're going to be, barring uh, something unforeseen maybe at the top. but uh, Or if Concarden went on a run, I guess. But in all likelihood, uh, there's, there's lots to be decided yet, Noah, on, on what's going to happen with the playoffs. Yeah, it'll likely, well, right now it'd be Mitchell, but it will likely end up Mitchell or Concarden. But, yeah, we're just hoping to get a few more points to maybe get us up up to fourth or third to just get that home ice advantage and playoffs would be really nice to have. So. And since we're talking playoffs, uh, people, you know, talk about discipline and power play, but the other big thing is goaltending. Mm-hmm. And certainly the last couple of years, uh, since you've had Brendan Landry show up, he's uh, certainly been... A big confidence booster in the net there, former uh, OJHL player. So uh, tell us a little bit about your goaltending situation and, and Brendan. Yeah, I think uh, he's been a huge help for us. Uh, 
ever since he came in. He's a in my eyes, he's the best goaltender in the league. Like, stands on his head for us every night, and a lot of games we wouldn't even be in without him. So, yeah, he's a great guy to have in your net. Yeah, what's his home base? Where's he? Uh, he travels from Brampton to here to play wow. for us. From Brampton, yeah. yeah. So he's not necessarily doing the weekday games as much, but uh, they're on the weekends. Yeah, he tries to commit. Tries like, if he can come, he normally makes it. Like, he's here every weekend, so it's yeah. okay. good. And the other pickup I wanted to ask you about was uh, someone came partway through was another – GOJHL pickup was uh, Dayton uh, Lilic, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Lilac, yeah. Lilac, all right. And so he came from the Cambridge uh, Redhawks, I believe. So what's uh, what's that meant to the team? Uh, good add-on as well. I I actually played against Dayton uh, when he played uh, AAA. He played for uh, actually a few teams, but when I played for him, he was uh, minor midget. He was with Guelph, Guelph Griffins there. So. Uh, and uh, just playing throughout the league in a bunch of prospect games, you kind of got to new other players, and it's kind of good seeing a guy that you previously know and played against back on your squad. So, mm. now what was his motivation to uh, come to Hanover? Was it uh, like is he hoping to pick up that extra overage here, or what was his uh, reasons? Uh, I'm not too sure. He is a 01, same age as. Uh, me, so I'm not too sure on what went on there, but oh, so it wouldn't be an overage year. No, then? it wouldn't okay, be an overage so, yeah. year. No, right. might be a nice time thing, right? Sometimes yeah. guys uh, do the math and they realize they can uh, pick up more ice time yeah. in the PGHL instead of the GOJHL. Yeah. Any any rule changes, anything like that, that you guys would like to see in your league in particular? Um, I don't know. The one that gets a couple guys is going over the red line and warm up. Nothing's on purpose, obviously, but no. a couple guys will be out and trip on a puck or their stick will cross the red line and they got to sit the first 10 minutes in the box. It, it's a little harsh, isn't it? Yeah. You it do see that. Stretch. You see that in the box An scores, altercation eh, is one thing, right? Yeah. yeah. But yeah. Just uh, like edge over, you know. You see that it. quite a lot, even with bringing up call-ups. So any AP players, if it's their first game, you... Uh, you make sure you let them know before they go out in the ice for warm-ups because it's, uh, it's not even if your skate touches it as well. It's, I guess it's a line right across from boards to board. So if your stick was swung right over and the ref saw that, or line, then yeah. they could call that as well. So that and the, the, the minutes, you have to be off a minute off, or I guess if you're an away team. You have the, to be off home before rink. the one-minute mark. So, so oh, a few, wow. few rules you got to tell the call-ups before going out so you don't cost your team a couple, ten minutes off the start. Because that is interesting how often you see in the box scores the warm-up violation thing. Yeah. yeah. Weird. Which yeah, is so different. Like when I was watching, you know, the Hanover Barons Junior C when I was a kid, so I'm going back. And back when they called it the Jungle Sea, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was, yeah, like if you went back to 1985 and told them, you could get a misconduct for just having your stick over the center ice during warm-up. They'd be laughing because I'm pretty sure, you know, they didn't actually paint in the center ice at the beginning of the season. They, <laughs> yeah. just, they just used the blood that happened from <laughs> yeah. there. And yeah. Sort of <laughs> use that to brush the middle of the ice, and that was the center ice. It's kind of funny how hockey's changed that way. Yeah. Um, and yeah. for the better, too. Yeah, for the better. I kind of wonder how many guys walked away with some seriously rattled skulls there. But we do see yeah. uh, people taking liberties with players because they know that um, they're not going to have to answer the bell sometimes. And I, I don't know that that's necessarily a great thing altogether. And, in the game, but um, 
the injuries is the problem with, with, with fighting, right? I mean, yeah. it, it got to be habitual fighting. But I think, I think personally there's nothing really wrong with um, sort of a spur of the moment uh, in the heat of battle scrap. I think there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I don't know what you guys feel about well, that. Well, uh, going back to just new rules too, like they've really, uh, officiating's really stepped down on, or put their foot down on the fighting yeah. as well now. Like you got the removal of helmet and all those types of uh, conducts now, right? So really a fight just you look at the list and it just adds on and on and on and to an extent it might not even be really worth it to miss four four three or four games uh, for one fight right so no. mm. the one thing it does do is uh, it makes the game a lot shorter yeah keeps it humming along a lot more because i remember again being a kid watching some of those games and three and a half hours later yeah there'd be <laughs> yeah. long ordeals right so yeah even touching on the long games too with the new rules we got uh, no change on icings now, right? So that's a new rule that was introduced to me. Is when I, as a 16-year-old, that wasn't in the league, mm -hmm. and uh, I think it came in last year. No, this year is this, the, this yeah, year this is year first, is the year. first year for the so, no change on icings. They're, I think watch the benches pretty strongly. Yeah. A few guys trying to slip off. It's a really strong rule to bring, kind of uh, to bring in, right? So. I know the start of the season, players on any team in the re league kind of struggled on, you kind of iced the puck because you're gassed and, oh, well, you can't go to the bench time to take a quick breather and get back going, right? So, mm -hmm. Do you guys think it's, it's something worth discussing, um, having possibly two 16-year-olds instead of one on, for eligibility for the Barons or, or for just in, in, in your league and, and, and Ontario-wide? Is that something or does that hurt something else that maybe it should be left the way it is? Do you think there, there's merit in possibly doing that? I think, yeah, it wouldn't be a bad idea to get some uh, younger guys in because there's lots of talent out there, right? Lots of young 16-year-olds that maybe uh, aren't quite at the Junior B level yet and want to play a year at Junior C to get that much better or stick it out with the team too. I think it'd be probably good to introduce that. Mm -hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong, are ju Junior B, you're allowed to take two 16-year-olds, are you not? In Junior B, yes. Yeah, I think yeah. you are, yeah. yeah. And then and OHL are allowed three 16-year-olds. So they're allowed four on the four roster on the and roster. can dress three. Mm -hmm. I think it just comes down to development as well, right? So For sure. Like Noah said, there's obviously years and you got lots of talent in that uh, uh, born year. Age group. Age group, sorry. Yeah. Um, so when you look, when it comes down to it, is you could have two and maybe not take two in the future, right? It depends on how good the talent is that year. So, in conversation with uh, Tyson Lena and Noah Johnson of the Hanover Barons, and uh, guys, not asking you to throw officials under the bus or anything like that. <laughs> this question, I'm just, I want to just phrase this question the right way. But um, how do you find the the uh, the consistency of officiating, I guess, is the way I would put it. Uh, do you find the consistency reasonable <laughs> or not, or is it inconsistent? I'm not I, asking you to say anything out of turn, uh, but uh, I know they're out there trying their best. But I think it. We only have one ref now, two linesmen. Yeah. Before we had, I think they need to have two refs. But I think it was better with that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, you're catching that more, much more stuff that's going on, and you know with the one ref they're not seeing everything that's going on they're doing their best but they can't see everything right so um yeah i think it varies a bit like some some refs kind of might be out there to get you more than others but yeah they're not bad i think it comes back down to when noah was saying how sometimes when you hit with the two refs you'd see a lot more well 
And then when it comes to consistency this year with uh, just one ref, you kind of get those games where you could tell the uh, the ref is uh, just trying to take every, make every single call and kind of make a statement right before everything gets out of hand. But then you have those games where he's, the ref is not making those calls, and then you're getting the behind the play slashes and stuff like that. Then then the games get out of hand. But like you said, they're just out there trying to do their best, so you can't really can't judge them. If without refs, you wouldn't be playing, right? So. Yeah, I mean, I think that's true, and, and certainly we see, you know, quality officials progressing through the levels as well, and that makes it tough, you know, for Junior C, you get to Junior B, OHL, and onward, and, it, you know, there's there's only a certain pool of, of people that want to be referees right now. I mean, because let's be honest, I mean, it's, it's a tough thing to do. It's, it's tough because you can't please any fans, <laughs> you know, and you really take a lot of derision from fans as well. So yeah. you have to be pretty thick-skinned to be a ref. Uh, I give them a lot of mm. a kudos and credit for that, and, and you're right, it is, it's not an easy job by any means. I'd, I'd say I, I can't speak to the junior C level, but certainly when you look at the OHL level, they're, or OHL, NHL level, yep. sometimes with the two referees, not only does it clutter up an already cluttered ice, but sometimes they kind of get into deferring too, right? So it's a play they would normally call, but they're kind of, well, I'll leave it for the other guy, and then they don't. There's kind of that gray zone. Yeah. So it can actually have a thing where things don't get called because they're kind of leaving it to the other guy. And I will also say this, in the NHL, with all the new technology, and they have replay review on so much stuff, it's cluttered ice. We're at the point now, if you're using the cameras that much, Take one of those officials off, and yeah. they, they can be the review guy for the game or something like that, but clear up the ice and get, get the extra body out of there. No, for sure. I agree with, obviously, in the NHL and higher levels where you got that review and stuff, but mm -hmm. I think in the levels like B and uh, Tier 2 and C where you don't got... Yeah, you don't have the, you don't got the, the technology. You can't call yeah. upstairs, right? So yeah. uh, I, think it's, I think it would be a good idea to bring back that double man system mm -hmm. into... Uh, the OHA here, but uh, yeah. then again, you know, I, I think it's probably to some degree a cost thing. Yeah, yeah. I just had a brainwave right now that totally revolutionary idea okay, I just had, right? Because <laughs> you, 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 know, you heard you, it here, Andy Clark, you, you, you got know, something yeah. for you. Crowdsourcing, you crowdsourcing reviews because the kids, <laughs> the kids all have their devices and they have them going all the time, so in any given moment, they could just yeah, stop could, and yell would, into the crowd, All right, who's got a good angle on that one? Let's, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, like 10 kids will wander over with their phone and show yes. them what happened. Right? <laughs> crowdsourcing the reviews. Perfect. Yeah. All right, can I patent that? You it works in all kinds of other ways. Yeah. 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 Nice. They'll call it the Clark Review. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, uh, behind the scenes, of course, there's a lot of unsung uh, people that, that uh, help uh, your team uh, be successful. Uh, trainers and uh, assistant and coaches and coaching staff and, and uh, you know, people behind the scenes that make everything go. Your general manager and those kind of people. Um, just maybe speak to just the support system that you have um, behind the scenes that uh, makes your team go? Yeah, when uh, a couple of years ago when I started, it was, uh, you know, just the, you got your general manager, you had your uh, head coach, you had your assistant coaches, and that was more so kind of the block in the room, right? Yeah. Where uh, I think uh, now we've really grew as a whole organization. We got people doing stats in the stands. We got uh, uh, director of player operations, director of hockey. We got so uh, actually two trainers right so mm -hmm. I think it's uh, really benefited our team uh, that way 
Yeah, for sure. The trainers do a lot. Welsh Weppel, he's been with the team for years. Uh, he has. Yeah, he does. He's a legend. Yeah, he's uh, he's always on top of the ball, you know, skate sharpener to away games and home games, and, you know, he's always there if you need him. So, yeah, it's great. You guys have a great dressing room, too. I mean, when they built the P&H Centre, they, they, uh, they built this custom for, for the Barons, and, you know, having been in the Guelph Storm dressing room, you know, it's not that much better than the Hanover Barons. And I'm sure you guys have seen some of the other dressing rooms around the OHL and, and in Junior B and whatnot, and that's a really nice facility you guys have. Yeah, it's a very nice room. Yeah, I'd say I haven't seen every room in our league, but I think it's definitely one of the best ones for sure. It's uh, nice to have. Even with playing in, uh, like, other leagues or um, going to camps or prospect tournaments or stuff like that, I we do, like, the, some other dressing rooms, you, you, you look at them and think that they may have more than what you're used to, but in all in all, we, we're pretty proud of what we have here in Hanover. Exactly. Yeah, it's uh, just the other day, actually, because uh, my older son was a flag bearer last year, right? So he got to walk through there, and we just have both boys play minor hockey in Hanover, and we were walking out, and they saw the Baron's door, and younger brother's like, hey, the Barons have a door over there, and <laughs> older brother's like, yeah, you should see their their facility. Like their, he didn't say, say facilities, but he said, you should see their change room, man. They got a really good change room. <laughs> yeah. and that was the 10-year-old perspective. Yeah. <laughs> That's the best yeah. part when the flag bearers come along, and uh, yes, you got the guys who some guys are hurt or uh, not playing certain games. They'll bring them in the dressing room while we're out on the ice, or I've even done it sometimes, injured, uh, bringing the kids in there. They just love love seeing that right and coming and smell the sneaky equipment the <laughs> parents always give the old ah oh, come on but yeah. yeah no it's good for them to see that kind of gives them something to look up to right like you said to idolize a little bit as well yeah and yeah it doesn't hurt to have that incentive in the building when you have a minor hockey system in there and the kids know that that's a possibility if they uh, work hard and keep working on the skills tyson's yeah. living breathing proof of it yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. um, Hockey's an interesting sport where, you know, you're, you're in the trenches with guys uh, for quite a while, and sometimes for years, many years, and it seems like it breeds uh, lifetime friendships in a lot of cases. Uh, I'm sure you guys have friends that you've played with for a long time, and maybe they're on the Barons as well, um, but uh, maybe speak to just the relationship building of, of working together like that as a team. You certainly... Uh, you know, I have friends that were I played with when I was six years old that I still speak to. It's it's kind of a neat thing that way. Yeah, it's awesome. Just uh, like you get some new guys every year, but me and Tyson, we've played together for a few years, and we also went to school together, so we know each other a bit before then. But yeah, hockey brings you together, right? Like pretty much every weekend we're together, hanging out off the off the ice too, right? So it's great to you know make new friends out of it, and it's even fun playing. So, like, other teams in the league, you got a lot of friends you play against, right? So it's fun getting out there and playing against guys you used to play with who you're still friends with and go out on the ice and, you know, give them the chirps and whatnot. It's fun. <laughs> and you know what? You bring up an interesting point about uh, having friends on other teams, too. Sometimes that can lead to trades from one team to another between <laughs> players, guys you know, that you tell your general manager, like, this guy... Is a really good guy and good player. Yeah, it's funny how that happens. I think that happens actually more from the players than it does the GMs the, of how trades happen in the league. Yeah, it does. yeah, it does a lot. You know, a guy that looking for somewhere to go or wants to to go somewhere else, you just tell them, and you know, 
you got to kind of watch it though nowadays with these new player tampering rules as right. well, right? So yeah. it's iffy that way, but yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Guys, maybe just final thoughts, you know, heading to playoffs, a lot of excitement building. Uh, fans are going to be uh, pumped to, to see you guys play in the playoffs. Just uh, your thoughts on, you know, you're not far away now. Yeah, it's awesome. I always, it's like you always say, regular seasons going along and then come playoff time you just get that extra like second wind you just get geared up for you know that playoff run that you hope to go on to make it to the end and it's obviously bigger crowds and more people out at your games so it just gets you that more pumped up to play good so if you're a little banged up suddenly maybe not feeling that way a little bit yeah exactly exactly <laughs> yep yeah Same. i'm actually I've actually injured my knee lately, hoping to be back for playoffs. So hopefully I get that healed up and make it back out to playoffs. So. Well, guys, uh, we really appreciate your time tonight. Uh, great chat, and uh, we wish you good luck in, in your playoff run this year and uh, all the best. Yeah, all thanks, right. guys. Stopping off on your way home from work, right? Yeah, so, exactly. yeah, busy day <laughs> yeah, for us. So. Yeah, we appreciate you taking the time. Super appreciate you doing that, guys. No yeah, thanks for having thanks us. Thanks for having us. Tyson Lena and Noah Johnson of the Hanover Barons will take a break, and when we come back, we'll have the Clark Ives and some other trivia uh, information right after this on hockey. Well, welcome back to Hockey Talk, and a great first part of the show with uh, with Tyson and Noah, very well spoken and uh, yeah. good representatives for the Hanover Barons, and uh, we really appreciate their time. Yeah, it's so important when they do have that quality uh, local talent on the local teams, eh? So they can interact with the community and be available to do uh, stuff like this. Yeah, exactly. So we have an interesting Twitter poll that you put together for us this week, Andy. Uh, yeah. See, what is it all about? And. Uh, I, it's a question that uh, someone had brought up in conversation with me a few weeks ago, and so I used it as a Twitter poll question, and it just by happenstance, it seemed to be a question was being asked a lot in the broader hockey media. Right. So the question was, uh, will Alex Ovechkin score more career regular season goals than Wayne Gretzky did? Ovechkin currently has 686 regular season goals. He's 34 years old. Gretzky ended his career just shy of 900. He had 894. Um, so it's definitely possible. And, and it's kind of like when Phil Esposito had the single season goal record of, you know, whatever it was, 76 or whatever it was. Yeah, 76. People thought that, go that that record would never be broken. And then it's been, you know, surpassed many, many times. Gretzky himself scoring 92 goals in a season. So only 18.2% of people think he's going to do it, and 77.3 say no, and then 4.5 say they don't care. <laughs> yeah, uh, put it in there just to round it out, so uh, honest. They cared enough to answer the poll. You know what, <laughs> I tend to agree with the results of that poll too, Andy. I think, um, I think it's gonna be tough. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's uh, undoable. I think Nicholas Backstrom signing for a five-year extension with the Caps is certainly gonna help mm -hmm. give them a chance. He's going to have that elite uh, puck distributor that he's had all these years. It's just a, a matter of he's got 208 goals to go right now. So let's say he gets another 15 this year. So that would put him at 193. Um, in the next five years, that's a pace of about 40 goals to beat it. Mm, over five years. You'd over have to five score 40 years, goals. 40, it, it's not out of the realm for one of the best goal scorers ever, mm -hmm. but I really think the 802 of Gordie Howe is much more attainable. 
I think he's going to smash that. But I yeah. wonder if he's going to end up, you know, 30, 40 goals behind Gretzky somewhere. Because it's, I think it's asking a lot. And it depends on the level of how long he can keep up this pace. I mean, he's still one of the best goal scorers in the league. I think he's third right now. Yes. In the, in, the, in the National Hockey League. So he has to keep up that level of performance probably for another three and a half or four years to give himself a shot. I don't know if he can. I yeah. hope he can. It would be nice to see. Let's get, uh, I've got to get Adam to just uh, fire up his, his stats there, uh, the hockey database, and we can focus in on the goals. Yeah. Um, I, I know what you're saying there too, because a lot of people just assume that, uh, you know, hey, yeah, it's Ovi, and he's recently had 50, last year had a 50-goal season, 51-goal season. And he's um, probably going to get, 50, <laughs> he could get 50 this year again, too. So to average 40 is something that he's definitely in his wheelhouse, but he does have some years there, you know, at 30. 33 and 16, 17, yeah. 32, going back. And the truth is, it's a physical game, it's a fast game, and he's getting into his later years, he's still playing high, high, high level, but there is that potential for a bit of a drop-off, which would translate into having to play more seasons in order to break that record. Um, you know, certainly if you looked at Gretzky's uh, trail, he started to focus a lot more. There's his stats, and you can see that, you know, the high goal, to goal totals, 92, 71, 87, 73. Yeah, but as you get really down further, he started to really focus on the assists, right? Yeah. Where you see, like, for instance, in 90, 91, where he had 122 assists and 41 goals, which is still 41 goals. <laughs> it almost, well, yeah. You look at his numbers, you think that's low. But it gets more and more skewed where he had some years of, like, 16 goals and 49 assists right down to his last year where he had nine goals and 53. But that's the other thing is, is time can catch up with players in such a physical game. Ovi's big, he's strong, but he plays a physical game. It wears those types of players down and quicker, it, I think. It can wear those players down. He's been remarkably durable so far. But to say five more seasons of 40 goals. It's a tough That's ask, a tall order. Like it is possible and good on him for even making it possible. Cause before, you know, five, six, seven years ago, people still would have thought it wasn't possible. Right. So it could, it may be someone that hangs on for a few years and has a few 20 goal seasons just to make it happen if he's maybe. that close. Maybe, maybe. Uh, because really that would be worth doing because it's, you know, hockey such a history, remarkable right? record, hockey history, but that's, that's talking into getting into six, seven seasons from now. Yeah. So he's 34, he's playing into his 40s at that point. Could happen, I mean, Yager yeah. did it, obviously. Yager did, yes, yeah. so, but it definitely would, uh, it would, it would definitely avoiding some significant injuries and losing time to significant injuries. I think also. that's a great point. Yeah, you know? and actually, it's the NHL and the way the GMs are being run over by agents right now. That also means barring any lockouts or strikes, which heaven forbid. But that's something that's already been part of the career, right? So, so Nick Backstrom signs for five. I would assume that uh, Ovi's going to match up with that as well. I think, I think that's there's no question that'll happen. Absolutely crucial part of it all even being possible. And I didn't quite appreciate this until I, I, I was looking closer at the Backstrom signing. So Nick Backstrom's played 13 full seasons in the NHL. And I knew he was like a highly productive player. I didn't realize though, he's led the NHL in assists over those 13 years. Yeah. No one has more assists than him. And that's partly because Ovi is one of the so greatest finishers of all time, yep. but it's not entirely that. There's a synergy between them. Yep. Ovi's one of the greatest finishers of all time, partly because of Nick Backstrom, and Nick Backstrom's an incredible setup man because of Ovi. And Gretzky, you know, 
to that conversation. He had the great secondary scoring with Messier and those guys, but he also had Yari Curry there, and yep. he had his setup men too. So, do they rival in your mind Hull and Oates as an example for a duo that comes to mind as being sort of Hall of Fame worthy? I think they're both Hall of Fame players together. But, yeah, but together, do they ha- are they one of the best duos ever? Do you think? I think they're definitely in that conversation. I'm trying to think of others. I'm sure Montreal had some in there. The Curry-Gretzky tandem was fantastic. Uh, Marcel Dion and uh, Dave Taylor yep. was lights out. But they're certainly in that conversation. Yeah, I, th- I think they have to be. And they've stayed together. And if we're talking about Nick Backstrom's contract, which is it's basically like nine something yeah. for five years. It's 45, 46. Yeah, he negotiated him himself. Yeah, to save the, the fees that way, which is very cool. Yeah. And you know what? I have to say to the organization of the Capitals, I have to tip the hat there too because he's coming off a 10-year contract that was 6.8. Right. Underpaid for what he does. For a lot of what he does. If you look at the market, he was incredibly underpaid. And especially like if uh, we have Backstrom stats up there, I just want to point out there, his first three seasons, that was his entry-level contract. I think he was making $1.5 per. So... 69 points, 88 points, 101 points. Career year. So then he locked in at 6.8 million uh, or somewhere around that for 10 years, um, which ended up being incredible value. So you know what, for his next contract at you know 9 million for five seasons, even if at the tail end, if he wears down and slows down. He's been worth all that money. They've gotten anymore. so much value. And my point here is this too, is like, so he signed for his close to 7 million after he had had 69, 88, and 101 points. So I'm going to rail about the William Nylander thing a little bit too because he's making $9 million now, yep. and for the next four years is making that $7 million. So he's getting right into Backstrom money, but the highest point total he's ever had was when well, he had 61 points twice, I believe, and they had one 22-goal season. If you compare it here, like Backstrom had a 22-goal season, then a 33-goal season, and 101 points before he's signing for that money. But don't you think the marketplace has completely changed on how it works? People are getting paid for projection instead of performance. Uh, They are, but then that's why we're getting saddled with all these terrible, terrible contracts, right? So, I don't know. I think the GMs maybe need to get the agents to, I don't know. They're just going to have to hold the line a little bit, tell them to pump the brakes and say, look, we'll pay because obviously they're willing to but we're going to pay for performance performance yeah and i think they can help bring it around to that a little bit more because there's so many guys being paid on spec i mean you you see a couple of teams i mean boston's really pretty adept at it Mm -hmm. carolina but outside of those two sort of outliers who has really held the line on anything like that oh you're putting me on the spot to think not very many because a lot of them will splash the money out handful of teams yeah because they've all, most teams have been guilty of over overpaying, right? Uh, well, I, you know what? I mean, the Edmonton Oilers, as an example. Yeah. People were saying, you know, Leon Dreisaitl, they way overpaid him. They did not way overpay Leon Dreisaitl. But at the time, you know, there was a lot of criticism to that. But there is performance, right? Absolutely. It's driven by performance. Yeah. He was, they, were, he, they thought he was getting too much money. He's not. This won't be too popular to say, I, I know with okay. some people, but Pierre Dorian seems to be holding the line in Ottawa a bit where they said, you know what, we're, we're going to offer. We know we have to compete. We'll offer our money. But beyond a certain threshold, 
we're out. We we are out, and so he's sort of done that. We saw a that with Eric too. Carlson, and now yeah. Eric Carlson, Carlson might be yeah. the most overpaid player in the NHL. Absolutely. As good as he is, yeah. I think he's lost some luster off what he was at his peak. I think yeah. there's no question. I know Ottawa loved Mark Stone. They would have sure. loved to have Mark Stone back, and they offered him a lot of money. But they reached a point where they said, okay, we have to you know be out on this because it's, it's too risky. Can yeah, it's too risky, right? So. I think a few more teams need to do that, pump the brakes on these huge contracts, at least until they prove it, right? Because you know what, Mitch Marner is making huge money, but he led the team in scoring twice. He right. kills penalties. That guy's been value-added. He's worth it. Yeah, in, in my Tavares mind. Tavares is worth it. Yeah, and I'm not going to sit here and, and badmouth Austin Matthews, but to my mind, Marner is the produced more already to yeah. earn his contract. Austin Matthews was a Calder winner, you know, rookie of the year. Yeah, so you are paying him a little bit on spec, and, and hopefully he's going to come through. Tavares, you know what? He has a huge contract, but that guy produced for a long time. He did. But I just I hate seeing when these guys haven't produced yet, and they're specking on it, and then it goes south so often. So, I totally agree with you. Yeah. It's it's an unfortunate part of hockey right now that people that deserve to be paid are not getting maybe what they deserve, and the people that are getting on spec are making yeah. more money than they should and it, it's hopefully hopefully it does change around in the future and i guess uh adam's colorado avalanche avalanche they're kind of in a good way there too because nathan mckinnon has basically said 6.3 yeah and he said you know i'm willing to take a hometown discount a little bit because he realizes if you want to win and go deep in the playoffs it needs to be a team venture right because the whole pay two or three can sort of skew a team mm -hmm. that's not going to do well in the playoffs, which the well, Edmonton what Oilers found out. get? Rantanen got, what, 8.7 or uh, something I of that nature? He got definitely more. Yeah. can't remember off the top of my head, but... Well, good on them for realizing that, yep. you know, between 8 and $9 million, <laughs> you're probably going to be able to pay the rent, right? Like Just a little bit. At some point when you're thinking about your legacy, you can balance that out a little bit, right? Like... You don't necessarily need to take two million instead of whatever, but if you're tired of the difference between nine and a half and seven and a half, and leaving your team room to get another quality defenseman, you know there's something to be said for that too. Yeah, and I mean uh, they're making out well on Kale McCarr for 925k. Yeah, that's working out. Um, now we probably should. Uh, well, we have a few uh, minutes on the clock there. Sure. Get in our uh, uh, Hallman Motors trivia giveaway. Yes. So that is, of course, brought to you by Hallman GM in downtown Hanover, across from the racetrack, or at, online at hallmangm.com. And uh, the winner from last week uh, is Krista Le Sauvage. So uh, hopefully she'll be over to pick up her uh, Barron's passes, or she has a choice of getting Durham Thundercats passes. Sure. And uh, what's the what's the prize? So we week? have a uh, in honor of having Hanover Barons on the show, we're going to have a family four pack. Today. Oh, nice. So you can use those for upcoming playoff games for the Barons or a regular season game that, that remains. But we'll have a family four-pack for uh, Hanover Barons for you. Fantastic. And uh, so uh, the question last week was uh, which uh, player has played the most regular season games for the Toronto Maple Leafs? And that is George Armstrong. Oh, is it? Okay, I didn't yeah. know that. They uh, have had five players uh, that have topped the 1,000-game mark wearing the blue and white. Uh, Ron Ellis was one of them, and uh, I'm not going to sit here and try and guess the other three off the top of my <laughs> head. But um, come on, I thought you knew that already. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, George Armstrong is their all-time. Would all -time. be one of those, or no? I, I 
think so, yeah. but I couldn't tell you 100%. I know he's certainly right around that 1,000 yeah, yeah. with yeah, the yeah. team because he yeah. went off to Detroit there, yeah, too. Yeah, right, yeah. Um, uh, and then Sundin was shy. Matt Sundin yeah, was 900-something. Well, he played a lot of years for Quebec, right? So yeah. He, uh, he led the team in goals and points, yeah. uh, but uh, not, not games not played. Not enough, so. yeah. Uh, so the question coming up for this week is uh, how many Stanley Cups did Mike Bossy win with the New York Islanders? We'll so. give you a hint. You can count it on one hand. <laughs> yes. And, uh, Just barely, but you can. If you're someone of a uh, certain age, you'll probably know exactly how many cups uh, the Islanders have won. And they were all in a they row. got a lot of rings, let's <laughs> yeah. put it that way. They were all in a row. Those they great were. teams with Trottier and Dennis Potvin and yeah. battling Billy Smith. And yeah. yeah, that was a fun time in it's hockey. Achilles and yeah. uh, Butch Gorin. Ken Morrow, yeah. John Tonelli. Yeah. So Al Arbor behind the bench. Have we ever had a more colorful goalie? Probably not too many than Billy Smith. Yeah, real character. He's actually yeah. a goaltending coach in the Ontario Hockey League now. Oh, really? Uh, do you know which team? Or? You know, I can't remember. Now. Yes. <laughs> I, just, I just remember he is, and I can't think what team it is. But, yeah, he's, I just, uh, he's come back to the league this year. I'm trying to think, was, is it maybe Saginaw, I think? Uh, yeah, really. Uh, cl- well, you know what? Saginaw was known their Russian goalie uh, last year doing the cartwheels the top, yeah. after uh, some big wins. So maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe that was his goalie. Oh, <laughs> all right, wait a second. Get back out there. <laughs> got to do something. It was, maybe it was a compromise. It I don't know. Babylon Billy probably sent him back out to hatchet someone. And he said, if I do a cartwheel at Center Ice, will that be enough? <laughs> okay, yeah, sure. Yeah, it makes the game fun. It does. Actually, I saw yeah, a clip with him, an interview clip. And it was, uh, I think, a playoff interview clip on something like Hockey Night Canada back in the day. And he... Uh, who was very emotional and very passionate and also very blunt. <laughs> a little rough around the edges, yeah. as you might say. Kind of gruff. Yeah, gruff, but it was qu- highly entertaining. So, And uh, you're going you're gonna to do some OHL action this weekend with Flint? Yes, yeah. Um, so have done a few radio games for them, and uh, Dominic Henning has been uh, nice enough to let me uh, uh, sit in at his elbow and do color while he does a play-by-play, so they'll be going back. And, of course, you're going to be in the press I'll be booth. Do, I'll be doing the uh, TV, and you'll be doing the radio. So Nice, yeah. Should be a good one. And not too distant future, we have another one coming up with uh, the Erie Otters there, too. Uh, yeah, this guy's an undiscovered uh, <laughs> up-and-coming talent in the OHL. He's uh, getting a lot of games under his belt here, and... Uh, turning into a really good OHL broadcaster, and uh, I'm pretty proud of you. Um, I don't mind saying that on the air. Oh, thank um, you for saying so. You've really progressed so much uh, in the time we've worked together uh, from all the way back from Junior C Hanover Barons. Yeah, doing um, some games you know, there. Doing yeah. some games there and on Blue Water Radio and whatnot to, uh, to, to seeing in the OHL. Uh, I, I'm sure all of Hanover is very proud of you to, to see you doing that, so good for you. Oh, thank you so much, Steve. Yeah. And you too, I know, uh, shines a good light on the town and all the things you do for us there. Well, I appreciate that, man. So should be a good weekend, and uh, we'll have a lot more good stuff um, on Hockey Talk next week, some trivia and, and uh, some good guests, and we'll uh, see you next week on Hockey Talk.